Good morning, everyone. It's our joy to be with you this morning. And I'm Nayaswami Mantradevi. This is Nayaswami Krishna Das. And we'd like to welcome everyone who's here for the Thanksgiving retreat weekend and those who are here in, de- in developing intuition, which is what we're all working on, and uh, all our karma yogis and other guests, and everyone on the internet too. So this morning, the reading from Rays of the One Light are the law of karma, bondage or soul release. Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. The epistle of St. Paul to the Galatians contains the oft-quoted statement, Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. In Autobiography of a Yogi, Paramahansa tells a story from the life of the Banaras saint, Trilanga Swami. A skeptic once determined to expose Trilanga as a charlatan. A large bucket of calcium-lime mixture used in whitewashing walls was placed before the Swami. Master, the materialist said in mock reverence, I have brought you some clabbered milk. Please drink it. Trilanga unhesitatingly drained to the last drop the container full of burning lime. In a few minutes, the evildoer fell to the ground in agony. Help, Swami, help, he cried. I am on fire. Forgive my wicked test. The great yogi broke his habitual silence. Scoffer, he said, you did not realize when you offered me poison that my life is one with your own. Except for my knowledge that God is present in my stomach, as in every atom of creation, the lime would have killed me. Now that you know the divine meaning of boomerang, never again play tricks on anyone. The well-purged sinner, healed by Trilanga's words, slunk feebly away. Yogananda goes on to say, The reversal of pain was not due to any volition of the master, but came about through unerring application of the law of justice, which upholds creation's farthest swinging orb. Men of God-realization like Trilanga allow the divine law to operate instantaneously. They have banished forever all thwarting consciousness of ego. Not by reason alone, but by self-realization and the, are the ins and outs of destiny fully understood. Their web, though fed forever, I'm sorry, their web, though tied forever to the post of ego motivation, is too intricate to be perceived as a single thread. Only great masters can see it with clarity. It is visible to them in all its workings, not from within the tangle, but from above in superconsciousness. As Sri Krishna said in the fourth chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, he who beholds inaction in action and action in inaction is wise among men. He is one with the spirit. 
he has attained the great goal of action, perfect freedom. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. From Whispers from Eternity, Poems and Prayers by Paramahansa Yogananda. I want to pour the scent of gratefulness at thy feet. The doomsday clouds of of inevitably tragic events thundered and poured down sheets of suffering on my life. My courage almost drowned in fear as a million difficulties rose up to destroy me. Only by clinging fast to thee did I survive. Now when the cannons of uncertainty boom before me and the shells of calumny, persecution and fierce opposition fall rain-like around me, I am ever protected in the impregnable fortress of thy love. I am so grateful to thee. When the light of good fortune dawns again, as it must always, following every hard night of struggles, it is easy to smile welcomingly at the pleasing sunrise of thy grace. During dark nights of misfortune, however, I find it even sweeter now to offer thee the flowers of my appreciation for being always there protecting me. I offer all my gratitude at thy thy feet of deep inner communion. Receive me, my eternal beloved, in sacred silence. Many of those poems, they're beautiful and have more meaning depending on what's going on in your life. Today's topic, the law of karma, bondage or soul release. Bondage or soul release. I'm going to take soul release. <laughs> it's, a, it's an important topic. I, uh, every time I think, you know, we all are familiar with karma and read about it and been living it and know when it's upon us. But, uh, and it's something we think we know. But whenever I feel that way, like I think I know something, I I think it's time to take a closer look at what it is. So this law of karma is, uh, is the preeminent law of the universe. And the scriptures say that all other laws are subordinate to it. And that the law of karma, simply put, is uh, cause and effect uh, in creation, in nature. And then in physics, it's described as action and reaction. Newton's law. For every action, there is an opposite and equal reaction. And karma is created by simply acting. And so we all have karma. It's just the way it is. We have... It's a mixed bag. We have good karma, and we have some not-so-good karma 
And it's all swirling around within us, seated in our chakras and so on, in our thought body, energy body. But the whole creation through this ebb and flow is being affected at all times. Everything. This, it's an exorable law. And it's, the, the scriptures also say that it, it's working at all times everywhere. From the farthest, as Swami says, farthest swinging orb to this very imminent present moment right within us. Every moment every thought, every desire, every imagination we have, every sentiment, everything is all ruled and creating a reaction. So it makes us look at that, makes us take a hard look at it. Okay, where is my consciousness? And where are my thoughts? And where, what are my desires? And on and on. The scriptures go on to say that this law works with unceasing precision, and scientific accuracy, it's always right on target, moving, finding back to the place of its origin. Now in the Rubaiyat, Quachain 51, Omar says, the moving finger writes, and having writ, moves on. All, nor all thy piety nor wit shall lure it back to cancel half a line, nor all thy tears wash out a word of it. So it's always moving. And having writ, it's done. And nothing can pull it back. Nothing can stop that karma from coming into fruition. Yogananda goes on to describe more. He says, the moving finger is cosmic law. And that cosmic law governs destiny both in the macrocosmic and the microcosm. It maintains universal order and determines the future movements of galaxies, all energies swirling in this entire universe. And the microcosm is what we care most about is us, and that any energies that we put in motion are going to come back, and nothing can stop it. Nothing can stop that karma. So we have to be ready. We have to be prepared. It will find us, and there's nowhere to hide. <laughs> this, this relentless, it's relentless, it pursues us relentlessly. There's nowhere to hide. Down through the halls of eternity, your karma will find you. <laughs> find me. It has found me uh, many times. <laughs> Believe me. So that's what the scriptures say. You know, it's unavoidable. There's nothing we can do about it. That which is writ and moving, it's done, it's coming. Okay? So that gets our attention, doesn't it? I remember uh, I saw this, this cartoon. Uh, it was in, it, the, the setting was New York, and there was a car accident, and this car rear-ended another car. 
and the car in the front had a big whale in it. You can tell there was a whale there. And the, the car in the back, um, the guy had a hat, and the door was opening. You know, he rammed him, so he's getting out to you know, exchange insurance, I guess. So the door opens, and but at the, you can see on the bottom that there was a peg leg. <laughs> so you know the story of Moby Dick, that this is Ahab. And Ahab just rear-ended Moby Dick. <laughs> and the caption, this is New York, the caption is, there's 25 million people in this town, and i got to run into him? <laughs> I remember when I was uh, growing up, my, uh, I would go hunting with my uncle. I only went one time because I... It, it seemed exciting. I got into the paraphernalia of it, you know, shotgun. He bought me a new shotgun and it was very nice. And, you know, the warrior in me and kids, you know, I was growing up and it wasn't a toy. This was real. And uh, he, he gave me a beagle. He used to um, raise beagles for hunting and they got awards and he gave me one. So I built a pen for it. I had this beautiful little dog, Sparky. I had a shotgun, and we, would, we went out to go hunting. And uh, the way it works is when you, the dog picks up a scent, you never see the rabbit because it's moving, right? It hears you. As soon as a dog picks up a scent, you stand right there. I don't know if any of you have hunted. And the, and the, the dog pursues the rabbit, and the rabbit goes way on. You could hear the dog barking, you know, barking, barking. So far that you, can, you can't even hear the dog anymore. And then you start to hear it again. And you stand there and you wait. And that rabbit comes back to that point and would run right through your legs if you just stood there perfectly still while the hunter waits to see the rabbit and shoots it. So, very easy. You don't have to chase anything. You just stand there. <laughs> That's what I, I thought of that image right out of karma. Karma will, will come around. <laughs> it comes right back to the point of its origin. Every single time. In the, in the uh, scriptures, uh, I guess I should finish it. I, I did shoot that rabbit. It was so pretty and beautiful. It was coming and just kind of going like that. Didn't know what was happening. And, you know, and I, I got it. I felt so terrible. I went up to it. I, my uncle said, good shot. You know, and I'm like, oh, what do you mean? I killed it. <laughs> you know, I killed it. You know. So you do things when you have it, the rabbit, and put it in your little coat, you know. That was the last time I went. Oh, I, I know what I'm going to tell you. So, so I, I like the paraphernalia, like I said, you know, of it. And I, I was cleaning the, the barrel. And you get it nice and shiny. And you hold it up to the light. And I held the barrel up to the light. And the light streamed through into my eyes. And I, I was so thrilled. I loved to clean that barrel. Because it was the light. <laughs> the light came right down, the, and I, it awakened the samskar. Uh, as oddly as that, that 
juxtaposition would be, you know, this shotgun. But anyway, um, I didn't go anymore. But I'd, I would go out with my dog because it was fun. I would just follow the dog. I would roam, get lost in the woods. I knew he would always bring us back to the car because that's where we started. But anyway, in the scriptures uh, of India, it says out of a thousand calves, uh, a calf will find its mother. Out of a thousand cows. So this is the way karma is for us. It's always going to be finding us. So ours is like... What do we do about it? You know? What do we do about it? Well, we have to accept our karma because the first thing is that if it's happening to you, it's your karma. And and you (coughs) caused it in the first place. There's no accidents with this unceasing precision and scientific accuracy. It's your karma. It's coming to you. If it's coming to you and it's upon you, it's yours. You need to deal with it. Accept the karma. Just accept it. Be open to it Be re- and try to get ready for it more and more because you don't know what it's even, how deep it is and how big it's going to be. But opening yourself up to it. And this is how we learn. This is how we grow. It's a blessing. We, we think of bad karma. Well, we'd like the good karma. You know, we'd like to think that things we do in this world are going, we're going to get some sort of good karma for it, and we want it to find its way back to us there. It's the bad karma, or the challenging karma, what we usually kind of makes us cringe. But this is what it's about. This is most people in the world... They are just up against a very hard situation because they, for one thing, maybe don't, aren't even aware of the law of karma and don't even believe in it necessarily. Okay, we believe it. Well, whether you believe it or not, it's going to happen. As Sri Teshwar said, this universe would be a fairly chaotic place if, it, if its operations depended on human belief to make it work. So it's happening, right? And, but as it comes to us, we open ourselves up to it without resisting is the first step because then we start to devise a plan, devise a strategy, call on the teachings that we have been blessed to be given because we have what it takes. <clears throat> That's the time we become a spiritual warrior, right? The battle is upon us. Like in the Gita, right there with Krishna and Arjuna and the Pandavas. And what is, how does it described? Krishna blows his mighty conch, the giant's bone. And Arjuna blows his, Indra's loud gift. Bhima, uh, wolf-bellied Bhima, blows his long reed conch. Each Pandava has their conch. They're blowing the conch. That symbolizes Om. Master says, this is when you become the warrior and grab it with both hands. We are spiritual warriors. We are made in the image of God. We have spiritual power to to handle anything. We are bigger than any karma. Because when we link ourselves with God and the God, that power within us, nothing can... um, 
obliterate us. Nothing can stop us. So, he, so, uh, so I love, we were just in India and, and on the pilgrimage in Rishikesh, and we always visit Swami Shivananda's ashram and meditate in his kutir. And he has something very beautiful. He says, he goes, um, roar. He goes, don't bleat like a sheep, like a lamb. Roar, om, 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 and be a lion of self-realization. And that's what we have to do. We have to become the, the warrior. We, we have it within us. Master was a mighty spiritual warrior. He was Arjuna. He was San Ferdinand III who drove out the Moors. Many, William the Conqueror. All of these lifetimes he lived, giving us examples of how to be a warrior in the world. We're householders, so many of us. Even if we're not a householder, we're living in the world. We're not cloistered. We're not cloistered. We're living in the world. We have responsibilities. I was, I was reading about the knights of that time, of San Ferdinand III, El Cid, and many of these great souls. They were warriors. And I, I was just thinking, oh, at that time, it better, just to be better to go into a monastery and withdraw from all that chaos and turmoil. But the knights, they were the the warrior, spiritual warriors and householders of that time. And to be a knight was to be noble and to be uh, uh, virtuous and live out all of the soul qualities in the world, doing good, battling evil. And whether or not we look upon it that way now, we're not in physical battle, although some of our brothers have, have been and are. It, we're talking about the battle of the soul against ego and delusion. And so this is how we get out of this uh, situation. When it's said in the Rubaiyat that it's going to happen, no amount of moral living or... Um, uh, hair-splitting theological debate or piteous tears is going to stop our karma. And what Master's saying there is that, as, as it was uh, explained by Swami in this rich, beautiful scripture, this text, he said that as long as we're in ego consciousness, as long as we're in ego consciousness, that karma has the post of ego to come back to. How we get out of karma, because... As Master says, in karma's realm, karma rules. We cannot get out of it. But obviously, as disciples and devotees, we know that, well, it isn't, doesn't have to be our karma. And it doesn't have to be our destiny. That we can rise above it if we get out of ego consciousness. So we don't have to take everything we have done in the past for incarnation, endless incarnations of everything we've done in each incarnation, if it all had to be fulfilled before we could move on, and if it all happened at once, we would be pummeled to dust, if you think about it. We would be 
we would be pummeled to dust. So there is grace there, even just to let that karma in one, two at a time. Let it come back kind of as we can deal with it. Master said, Yogananda said that Divine Mother never gives us a test bigger than we can handle. And that's her grace and the grace of the guru. Because once you have a guru, he's operating the law now for us. He knows, as Krishna said to Arjuna, I know every thought you, I know every past deed you've done. I know all your past lives. Difference, though, between him and Arjuna was that he knew all of Arjuna's and he knew all of his own. Arjuna didn't know any, but Krishna knew them all. And therefore, he could help Arjuna. And, and the masters can help us if we open ourselves up to that help. So, battling our karma, we have to not just accept it and be open. We need to call on the grace of God. Call on the grace of the guru. That's really where our salvation lies. And getting out of ego consciousness is not thinking we're the doer. Thinking God is the doer. If God is doing everything, then God, in a way, takes the blame. And he's going to buffer us. As the scriptures say, as, as, as Yogananda has, has taught us, Having a God-realized master is the greatest blessing. In all three worlds, as the scriptures say, he described it as if it's your karma to break a leg, you'll get a scratch. And if it's your karma to die, you'll break a leg. The guru is buffering us. He said that when Sri Teshwar was in Kashmir and he was under a heavy, heavy uh, fever, that he was taking on the karma of his disciples. And Yogananda, towards the end of his life, he wasn't able to walk. He said that he was, that dark astral entities were, he could see them and feel them clawing at his legs. But he said he was, he could rise above that. He had no karma of his own. He was taking on the karma of his disciples. As Christ did. Not just disciples then, future disciples those that call on that spiritual power. So that's really what we have to do. We face the karma, not only face it and accept it, be thankful. Tying in Thanksgiving, be grateful. It's like something that has to come out, has to, has to be fulfilled. Hey, wonderful. It's here. I have an opportunity to deal with it. I have an opportunity to take this. And any energies, as it says in the Bhagavad Gita, any energies that can be transmuted can be used for higher purposes. So all those thoughts and desires and, and on and on that have been kind of rambling, rumbling, I should say, in our consciousness, and they are now kind of binding our energy as they come, feel them being released. And this is God's gift to us. So our karma, the law of karma itself, if it didn't exist, it would be total chaos. There would be no order to this universe. And there would be no order to what 
circumstances and the consequences of life. The things, things people do, we do. So the fact that it's there is a blessing to begin with. And as our karma comes and we open ourselves up to it and we call on God and Guru to help us, we are relinquished of that karma. They take the brunt of it. They let whatever through by their wisdom that we can handle and to the degree that we need to have it happen so that we can get the point, learn the lesson, and then perhaps live wiser and with more discrimination. It's all grace. It's all grace. And lastly, to live in that grace all the time. Meditate. Meditate. And concentrate on that love of the guru. And awaken that love in yourself. And give it to the guru. And give it to God. And then we'll live in that bubble of grace all the time. And then we're not in karma's realm. And karma won't rule. Grace rules. And we'll just, as we grow with what God and Guru determines is ours to experience, we'll be lifted above the vast majority of it and we'll ascend and reach our own state of liberation. And that's how it goes. And that's how it is.